thrust the poor girl he had raped and assaulted through a portal on the ship up to the shark. Episode nine of You Ain't a Woofin, your weekly. Yeah, that's. Hang with us. Yeah, nine already. You just chat, basically stay on topic <laughs> throughout. Yeah. Um, you know, like you do. Um, 1781. Was what? It's a wild what a time. What a trip. I thought it was interesting how much music there was in our stories. Yeah. It was cool. It wasn't all Revolutionary War. No. Despite Uh, my story. (laughs) Dumb boys. Yeah. Those handsome devils. You can blame it on the dumb boys. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, how are you doing? I am doing get, well. Get my care package with Cracknells yet? <laughs> Not yet. Oh, that's cool. I went ahead and sent it like the longest shipping by rail. I'm sure, they'll be <laughs> by, nice and by soft. Horse. <laughs> by nightmare. <laughs> Die by nightmare. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, That'd be terrifying. Uh, I guess we we need to announce our year for this. Week, yeah. Right? Yes. So, well, yep. drum roll, please. Mukma Lukma Vixi. I'm just <laughs> guessing. I'm just guessing that's what it is. I think you're close. Yeah. 1947. 47. Gosh. wonder what happened that year. I feel like we're going to find out a lot. I know. We're going to learn tons. I'm excited for the timeline twist. Um, back to the 20th century. That's yeah. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah. I, know, I think that my story has some elements that you're really going to like. Um, oh, good. It's got a boat in it. You know, just <laughs> That's a recurring theme almost as much as Joe Jonas. Oh, I know. You love boats. And <laughs> I didn't know that I did. I know. But, See? It's so good. It's yeah. like therapy. Thanks, everyone. Uh, <laughs> rum. People on boats drinking rum. So. Oh, that. yeah. Yep, uh-huh. yep. Yeah. Some dramatic acting. I'm not a super big rum fan, but, you know, well, to each their about own. It. Stories about it. Stories about rum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Dickless contender. Yeah. So, anyway... Um, I don't know. Do we have any announcements? Check out the website. Yeah, website's live. Um, and e- yeah, if you have questions, write them in. Um, the website lists our email, but the actual submit button just gives us your email, and we will use that probably in the future for like announcements, but. <laughs> So right now you can't really, it's a a form. I think we said that last time, but anyway, the email is there. So 
Please write in with questions or story yeah. ideas. Yeah, I think you can leave us a voice memo on Spotify. Too. Oh, yeah, on Spotify. Mm-hmm. That'd be fine. <laughs> Reach out. Just don't call us. Oh yeah, God. don't. No, don't call. <laughs> don't call me. <laughs> we'll call you. Um, anywho. Yeah. I'm excited to oh. learn. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll learn some new factoids. Um, I was going to wear my my alien guitar pick earrings that I got at the Roswell Museum. Oh, um, yeah. In honor of tonight's episode, but I yep. don't want to wear earrings and headphones. Headphones. And glasses. That would hurt. Just, you know, yeah, mention them. Okay, should we get to the timeline twist? Let's do it. Timeline twist. Twist it up. 1947. Right. I don't think yeah. I'm going to like it. You don't know <laughs> if you will. I don't think I will. I mean, I think I'll like the timeline twist. I just don't think I'm going right. to like 1947. Yeah. It's a. It's still, yeah. I haven't found one that I really liked yet. There's some problematic. Yeah. <laughs> so... Anyway, uh, 1947 started on a Wednesday, yeah. and Roman numerals M C M X L V I I. And I did look up your question: Why are they letters if they're numbers? How come? And they started out as hash marks. They're not technically they're not letters. They just look like letters, at least for the one through 10, because they would do like three is three lines. Well, if you put four lines together, it's harder to read. So they changed it to an, to uh, V would be five, which was just a ha- the way that they hash marked uh-huh. five. And so then four, it's a subtraction thing. I so, read that they got it from like the ancient Etruscans. Who had symbols for one, five, ten, maybe hundred? Is a hybrid of those two mm-hmm. explanations. And one of those symbols looked like the Bluetooth symbol. I was like, that's funny. Oh, Mary's initials. Oh, thank you. Um, anyway, so I didn't dig too deep, but you know, uh, but anyway, that's that's your that answer. makes sense. That makes sense. That's all the um, answer I'm gonna give. Oh, damn, girl. I have other answers, though. Did you know that uh, there's no zero in Roman numerals? Um, was there the concept of it, but they just didn't do it? or They later developed, they, they used the concept of zero, um, which was invented in Baghdad during one of those Pluto in Aquarius times, Ooh. if you recall from the Zodiac back. I think it was like 700s. 
Um, oh shit! I don't want to go back that far. No, no. Just but, FYI. Okay, okay. <laughs> we don't have to. I, but they use the letter N for nihil, like nihilism. N. Uh, N. N is a Nancy. N. They would use that when they needed to have a placeholder for the concept of zero, but. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, they nothingness. Yeah. Okay, I have some major events. These are all the heavy hitter type things. Um, on New Year's Day, the Canadian Citizenship Act came into effect, providing Canadian citizenship separate from British law. So Ooh. that happened in 47. In oh, February, wow. in Paris, France, peace treaties were signed between World War II allies and Italy, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, and Finland. Mm-hmm. So post-war stuff. Also in February, the post-World War II Allied Control Council, also known as the Four Powers, abolished the German state of Prussia. Uh-huh. R.I.P. Prussia. Yeah. And the Cold War begins. On March 12th, the Truman Doctrine was proclaimed to help stem the spread of communism. In June, the Doomsday Clock was established. Mm. This is a symbol of the likelihood of human-made catastrophe, nuclear... Yes. Based on the opinions of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. Uh, and envy that job. Yeah. Yeah, I did I did a little bit of extra digging and didn't include it, but I think Einstein had like an early hand in this and according to Britannica.com Quote, since its invention in 1947, the clock has been reset 25 times. In January 2023, the clock was set to 90 seconds before midnight, the closest it has ever been to doomsday. Wait, what year? Last year. 2023? Yeah. It's because of the Russia and Ukraine stuff. 90 seconds. Midnight is catastrophe. Yeah, so uh, that's where it is now, I believe, unless they've updated it in 2024. Ah. I know. Yeah. I I was reading that, and then I was thinking back to your Zodiac back where you're like, don't be afraid of Pluto and Aquarius. Well, 1947 was definitely not Pluto and Aquarius. I know, but we're closer now than we've ever been on the doomsday clock. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) In July... That's Pluto at the end of Capricorn, my friend. Okay. Yeah, maybe. That's what I say. Well, good. Leave it on the Capricorns. I've never really read a lot about the Doomsday Clock. Of course, I was aware of it, but, I, you know, I kind of felt like maybe I don't want to know this. Yeah. What am I supposed <laughs> to do with that? radar. I have no agency over that. Yeah. <laughs> well, like that's true. to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. See, I knew I wouldn't hate. I would love to hate this. <laughs> Well, this is kind of some of the heavy shit here. Um, In July, the Central Intelligence Agency, 
the Department of Defense, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and the National Security Council were created with the signing of the National Security Acts of 1947 by U.S. President Harry S. Truman. We've got the CIA. Bring on the drug experiments. Maybe we'll do some stories on that. That shit's wild. Or, yeah, or maybe <gasps> we won't. <laughs> maybe you won't, it sounds like. Well, I'm just saying we might be threatened. Oh. I don't want to get, I don't want to get on a dick list. Uh-uh, I don't either. Uh, in July, King George the Sixth of the United Kingdom announced the engagement of his daughter, Princess Elizabeth, to Lieutenant Philip Mountbatten. And she's going to come up again. And in October, investigations into communism in Hollywood began by the House Un-American Activities Committee. Just a lot of, like, it's weird. It's weird that we had spy shit in 1781, because Mm. this is the time that I think of, you know, more spy craft and Mm. whatever. But... Yeah. Um, Last little bit in October, the Indo-Pakistani War of 47 and 48 began at the border of India and Pakistan. Yeah. Big year. Yep. In science, uh, uh, back to February 47, U.S. Army Ordnance Corps Hermes Program V-2 rocket called Blossom One. Whoa. (laughs) <laughs> was launched into space. It was too easy. It was too easy. <laughs> Carrying really? plant material and fruit flies. The first mm. living things to enter space. <laughs> oh my God. I know. These are annoying. Let's shoot them into space. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, take out, somebody take out the trash. We've got fruit flies again. Oh no. And the big one that you mentioned at the top, uh, the Roswell UFO incident occurred in July of 1947 when debris was found on a ranch near Roswell, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been there? Yeah. You have been to That's Roswell? Where I got the earrings, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I went on a road trip. With my friends Hannah and Brian and Joe. Oh, fun. What was it like? In the 90s. The museum was (laughs) a little underwhelming, I'll say. It had like uh, newspaper articles. I shouldn't talk trash on this museum, but I don't think it was the real Area 51. I'm just going to say that. Mm. (laughs) The gift shop was the highlight. They did have the, like, rubber alien body from a movie. Oh, okay. You could look, like, in a movie um, that was supposedly out of the... Well, I mean, it's not sanctioned. It's not a real museum. So, yeah, I guess somebody out there is just doing the best they can to, like, like, get people... Like, bulletin boards with newspapers. It's like... Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was basically it. And then this, like, movie memorabilia so anyway it was fun my mug broke long ago but those earrings have been around for (laughs) yeah 
That's fun. 30 years. Uh-huh. I also would expect it to be more than what you've just described because so many people go there, you know? Right. And that was, yeah, it was like 30 years ago. So there's Such a destination. some more kitschy, fun stuff. Yeah. There's like a diner, I think, in town, some kind of business that has like a flying saucer crashed into the side of a building. Yeah, somebody, if you know what it's like right now, let us know what Roswell's up to. No good. <laughs> you're no good, you're no good. Up to it. Okay, a uh, couple of things happened with the weather in... Uh, 1947, the winter, so the winter spanning 46-47 in the United Kingdom was exceptionally harsh. Mm. It recorded the highest snowfall to date in the country in the 20th century. Oh my gosh. Majorly disrupting railway travel. Ooh. And as the snowfall thawed, it caused the worst flooding in 100 years when the Thames overflowed its banks affecting most of the Thames Valley. So, lots wow. of snow, big old flood. That's terrible. Yeah. In April, tornado strikes across Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas injured 970 people and killed 184. Whoa. No sirens yet. Mm-hmm. You know, they had radio, I guess, but um, I don't even know, like, what the National Weather Service was like back then, if there was one. You just would have to... Parking lot. Like, yeah, that's a good um, point. I think you would have to just rely on your instincts, you know? What does the sky look like? What are the animals doing? Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And, like, yeah, are you lucky enough to have a cellar to get to? Right. Yeah. So, lifestyles and culture. Lifestyles of the 1947. Yes, we are moving on to lifestyles and culture. Um, Percival Prattis became the first African-American news correspondent allowed in the United States House of Representatives and Senate wow. press galleries in February. Wow. Gosh. Yeah. 47. Can you imagine how much you would have to, like, gird your loins to go to work every day? Yeah. Was that reporter? It's just uh, so brave and amazing. Yeah. God. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Do better, 1947. Yeah. Um, also in February, Edwin Land demonstrated the first instant camera, the Polaroid Land camera, to a meeting of the Optical Society of America. It's like some sort of shake land it, camera. Shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. Like a Polaroid picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, on November 20th, future Queen Elizabeth II, at the age of 21, gave her famous pledge of service speech from Cape Town, South Africa. Quote, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family, 
to which we all belong. End quote. Mm. I've heard her say that a million times in television shows. <laughs> what are you watching? Sports? Oh, documentaries. <laughs> I watched The Crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Food. Great. I think we spent like 30 minutes on food in the 1781, so this is important. short and sweet. Uh, the first commercial microwave oven was produced in the U.S. by Raytheon. <laughs> okay. Which I don't know. That just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Pun intended, I guess. <laughs> right? Um, I don't know. I've never really trusted microwaves. I know. Honestly. Um, I, I don't have one right now. and it, it is a real pain in the ass. I know, right? It's a pain in but, the ass. Mostly yeah. I like them to like warm up my various like rice bags for yes. my aches and pains. Yes, yes, those and um well, actual like any foods that are steamed in a bag, I try to avoid those, but sometimes you're just in a fucking hurry. I mean, you know? Yeah, you can't you're tired, you've got other shit to do and you, you just want your food warmed up. But uh-huh. I've been like over a year now without one, and yeah. it's fine. Probably two years, but we didn't have one for a really long time, and like to the point where like people were all in my grill about it. Like, <laughs> you know what? My outlaws, you know, you don't like, have a microwave. I'm gonna get you a microwave. Okay, <laughs> just you so know. I can use it when I'm at your house. <laughs> just because I think that you know you should have one. I mean, I do find warming stuff up in the oven, you know, or on the stove. It takes longer, but yes, on those days when I'm rushed, I'm like, God yeah. damn it, I wish I no, it just pop it in. Bad. But yeah, Raytheon. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like an oxymoron or something. I don't know. Uh, I did look up some foods, drinks, and treats that were introduced in 1947. Mm. Those were bazooka chewing gum, mm. uh, chaparitas el naranjo, which is mm. the first non-carbonated bottled beverage from Mexico. Okay. This Never one's from Angola, Angolan beer called, I'm assuming, Cuca, C-U-C-A. Mm. I don't really know another way that that would be pronounced, but let us know. If you've been to Angola and had one of these beers, um, also Reynolds Wrap. So now you can put Reynolds Wrap on your leftovers. What if it was Raytheon Wrap? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Raytheon also put out Reynolds Wrap. <laughs> Is this a gun that shoots shoots plastic wrap on your leftovers like like a spidery spidey web oh my god that would be fun i actually really despise fucking with reynolds wrap you rip it off and the corner always folds over and gets stuck it It can be frustrating it's i agree yeah i shouldn't be bitching about reynolds wrap I think what you gotta do is get the restaurant size, like the big oh, roll, and then you yeah. just like pull it over your thing and whip it off, and it's just like it's yeah. nice and sharp. And then you don't have to like start a new roll uh-huh. frequently; it's just there, so it's fine because you have plenty of space. 
Yeah. On your countertop. Just leave it. Right. <laughs> That's literally what I was thinking. I don't have room for that. Put it under the George Foreman grill. <laughs> Stacked up. Just stack <laughs> all of the, all the shit. In the toaster oven and Put your, your microwave. on there, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sharpening stone. Or slicing your vegetables wafer thin. <laughs> um, and your okay. fingers. Uh, yes, and your knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little afraid of my mandolin. Yeah, I use mine with extreme caution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no drunk mandolining. No. 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 Who do you think you are, Tim O'Brien? <laughs> um, okay, also the Australian pastry brand Four and Twenty. It's like F O U R apostrophe N. Yeah. Twenty. Like uh, black snowballs. Snowballs. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I've mm -hmm. heard of those. High C. Okay. And wheat thins. Oh my gosh, that's something I actually eat. Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm gotta look at it more closely. Maybe I shouldn't eat it. <laughs> no. Wheat thins by Raytheon. <laughs> Well, it's probably fine as long as they come with that thin coating of plastic <laughs> yeah. around each one. <laughs> okay, I'm going to move on to the arts. Um, in literature, The Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank was published for the first time oh in 1947. Yeah. Uh, website com. List the hundred greatest songs of each year, oh. and the top three for 1947 were number three, Blue Moon of Kentucky by the Father of Bluegrass, Bill Monroe. Bless that man, keep on shining. Yep, shine on. Uh, number two is Move On Up a Little Higher, or yeah, Move On Up a Little Higher by Mahalia Jackson. Okay. And number one, call it Stormy fun. Monday, but Tuesday is just as bad by T-Bone Walker. Oh, and something listen. that struck me about this list of the top three, two of the three, the top two are black Americans. And I just feel like that's poignant for the case that I'm going to do mm. and the and what race relations were like mm. in 1947. So we celebrate these artists, and they're, like, the most popular, but still, you know, mm -hmm. the climate is just gross. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, in 1947, we are at the end of surrealism in literature, uh -huh. theater, and fine art. So this movement started in 1917. It ends in 1950, so we're at the tail end of it. But works of surrealism demonstrated the exploration of dreams and the unconscious. Mm -hmm. You know, Dali, you know, his mm -hmm. melted clocks and all that. Yeah. And I was, which planet would be the surrealism planet? Mm. Mm. Dreams and the unconscious. Uh, I think probably Neptune. Okay. 
I was between. Yeah, I was thinking of that. Which sign would be? I mean, Pisces. Probably. Okay. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, it's a good question. Um, Dreams, the unconscious. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the nightmare that we were talking about yeah. for eight, uh, 1781, emotions and dreams. Mm-hmm. In that yeah, movement. I think that's Pisces stuff, pretty much. Um, an even newer movement in 1947 was abstract expressionism. Oh, yes. Yeah, Big so fun. the term was first coined the year before by art critic Robert Coates. Uh, artists included Jackson Pollock, Franz Klein, Mark Rothko, Norman Lewis, Willem de Kooning, and Theodore Stamos, among others. The name kind of gives it away. Objects are abstract. Paintings are expressive. They're studying color. Rothko is the one that really pisses people off in the, I could paint that uh-huh. way. <laughs> right. Uh, which cracks me up because I'm like, but you didn't. Right. You didn't paint it. And action painting is a thing. Uh-huh. So Jackson Pollock had cigarette ash and all kinds of other crap in his paintings because he was just going wild and throwing paint um, and smoking while he did it. So this style led the way into pop art minimalism and neo-expressionism. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That that's uh, yeah. I don't hate that part of 1947. <laughs> I can give art the thumbs up. Yeah, sure. There's always going to be some kind of uh, resistance in the creative mm-hmm. sphere. Okay, transportation. Mm-hmm. At this point, about 21% of the U.S. population owned cars. Wow. And so we're getting up there. According to supercars.net, the best cars of 1947 were the Ferrari 125 Sport, the Fiat 1100S, the Rolls-Royce Phantom 3, and the Cadillac Series 62 Convertible Coupe. Wow. Sounds expensive. Yeah, cars. Post-World War II air travel was markedly advanced from pre-World War II. Heathrow Airport in London was a year old in 1947. Whoa. And transatlantic flights from London to New York were common. Mm-hmm. And then a little wackier uh, point in aviation history. Uh, in an eight-minute flight in November, pilot Howard Hughes flew his Spruce Goose, <laughs> a.k.a. the Hughes H4 Hercules for the first and only time. <laughs> the only thing I know about that is that movie by Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> where that... he's just getting more and more mad. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but I think that plane is um, at, the, at a museum here in Oregon. Oh, really? Air and Space Museum. I don't know. I'll have to look that up. Mm-hmm. And edit it out if I'm wrong, but if I'm right, I'll leave it in. <laughs> so if you're hearing this. <laughs> not really, though, because I'm sure I've said a lot of wrong shit. Yeah, not really. No, I'm not going to. 
leaving it in. Fuck you. Look it up yourself. That's I heard right. something like that. No, I think it, the spruce goose, I think it is out there. Yeah, we're not, I'm not guaranteeing any of this information. This is for entertainment purposes. Exactly. Speaking of entertainment, <laughs> uh, television broadcasting began across America, and the Meet the Press television show debuted on the NBC TV network in June. The Guiding Light soap opera, oh. still on the radio, My gosh. moved to CBS after being canceled by NBC almost a year earlier. Wow. Yeah, 47. I can't believe so it must have started on the radio. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah. Oh, gosh. Now, rabbit hole history of soap operas. <laughs> I know. The first soap Back opera. I wasn't a Guiding Light person. My grandma was. Um, my she liked the Guiding Light. One. Yeah. It, I guess I it would have been. I grew up watching that one. Yeah. So she must have watched the CBS soaps. She also watched the Spanish ones, and she called them her stories. Uh-huh. Those ones are wild. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I used to watch some of those with her. Yes. And, and she, they're all in Spanish, so I would be like, well, who's that guy? Well, that guy is the brother of this guy. He's one of those Doan brothers, and they're all <laughs> sleeping with this lady. They're all played by the same actor. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. No, I, I got in, really got into Days of Our Lives. Oh, me too. Yeah. Well, yeah, I started watching that in like fifth grade. <laughs> I've fun. fallen off in the last few years, but I do sometimes get the urge to go get caught back up. Well, it <laughs> I'm won't take definitely, long. You know it won't. That's the longest one that I've ever watched. But yeah, you mentioned Another World. I also watched Santa Barbara. Oh yeah. Back in the day, and like. Did you ever Mills watch School? Passions? No, but my sister did, and yeah, oh, that I was one like, was I the can't best. believe you watch this shit. Yeah. That one was the yeah, best. Yeah, that was crazy stuff. Well, I believe that the writer for Passions eventually moved to Days of Our Lives, and that's where you get the Marlena possession storyline. It was all demons and possession and shit. Marlena's been being possessed by the devil for a long time, though. Well, they've brought it back, but the original time was because I believe one of the writers. If somebody fact check me on that, let me know. But that's what I heard then. And I was like, okay, this is where this storyline's coming from. I do feel like she did get possessed a lot, but. Well, they, yeah, they brought the storyline back. They brought it back existed. in the last five years. <laughs> they just keep doing it. Well, if it's not possession by the devil, it's Stefano <laughs> and Queen right, of the Night. Exactly. Yeah. It's Stefano. No, the uh, fun fact, the name of the color of our exterior paint that we put on our house <gasps> is called Queen of the Night. Oh, you are a diehard Okay, the Tom and Jerry cartoon Cat Concerto was released to theaters as well as the Christmas classic Miracle on 34th Street. Okay. Which I have never seen. Ooh, well, double featured. Top Gun, 
Miracle. <laughs> I know. Somebody's going to have to yeah. tie us down. Oh, I don't, I don't really want to watch that oh. I know enough to know what it's about after all these years. I don't need to watch it to know it. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. <laughs> okay, just a tiny bit left before births and deaths. Um, in sports... In April, Yay. Jackie Robinson okay. <laughs> becomes the first African-American oh, to play cool. Major League Baseball since the 1880s. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently they did um, have a few players, but then segregation like swooped in. And so it didn't happen again that they've had an African-American right. play uh, until this year. Yeah. So. In October of 1947, radio rights for the World Series in North American Baseball sold for $475,000 in a three-year deal. So the television era has begun, but radio is not, not dead yet. But, you know, radio still has sport all the sporting events, so. Yeah. <laughs> I know I don't really have any radios I hate that sound Um, I have one from that was my uncle's from like the 60s but it really sounds like that yeah I listen in my car I guess yeah that's true um, okay, notable births. There were a lot of famous people born in 47. It's like there's a boom of them or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't narrow it down, so I just did, like, a long list. Um, so, actors Farrah Fawcett, Rob Reiner, Jimmy J.J. Walker, Dynamite. That's so weird that those three are the same age. Yeah, Richard Dreyfus huh. and Ted Danson, oh my all in 1947. Musicians Elton John, oh. Iggy Pop, Meatloaf, and Greg Allman. <laughs> Authors Stephen King and Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy. Politician Mitt Romney. He's the same age as those people? Yes. And American animal welfare and autism expert Temple Grandin. Oh, cool. All born in 1947. Um, Notable deaths. I don't know. Is Mitt Romney really born? <laughs> yeah. I don't. Sprung forth fully formed. Yeah. Milk fountain. He came out of a <laughs> pile of flour. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't he the Mormon? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. God took a rib from a hand cart and <laughs> put some flour paste around it. <laughs> and thus, it robbed me. <laughs> just God emerged. <laughs> Emerged out of the flower. <laughs> oh, shit. It's very, like, Terminator, but flower. Yeah. <laughs> like that silver stuff that just, like, rolls around. It's like mercury. It's just dough. 
Romney's origin story. Holy oh, shit. Yeah, you we heard it here. Get sued. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing oh, nobody's God. listening. <laughs> uh, this is our second day in a row to record, so sorry. I'm kind of falling apart. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, that was good visuals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm crying again. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Let me pull it together. Oh, my God. Um, I'm with flour at this time. <laughs> R.I.P. to these three people. Okay. Uh, American industrialist and automobile manufacturer Henry Ford. Oh, rest in a pile of poop. <laughs> he was born in 1863 uh, British occultist that I feel like I should know more about uh, Alistair Crowley oh yeah we should do a <laughs> deep dive on that guy yeah I just you know as I found his name I was like that. I know that name it's so familiar but I honestly don't did, don't know as much as I thought I would so he was born in 1875, an American gangster, Al Capone. Oh, okay. Al Capone. And he was born in 1899. Ooh. Party like that. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Party like it's 1899. I will. I'll have to first put on my undergarment, and then my bloomers, and then I'll have to put on my overskirt and my round gown. <laughs> yeah. The round, round gown gown. do get around. They do. <laughs> they do. Uh, well, that's quite a year of uh, collection of people. Yeah. Um... Yeah, a lot easier to do the births and deaths of 1947. Um, okay, so your story that we're going to hear tonight, it, it took place at sea. So this yeah. one I had to uh, think a little bit on how to talk about the location. I just have a few facts about the South Atlantic. Um, so the Atlantic Ocean is one of five oceans on the planet. Nice. That was a fact I had forgotten. I didn't remember, like, how many. Um, according to Wikipedia, quote, the Atlantic Ocean, the second largest, extends from the Southern Ocean between the Americas and Africa and Europe to the Arctic Ocean, and the Atlantic Ocean meets the Indian Ocean south of Africa at Cape Agulhas. Agul Agulhas. I think that's how it's pronounced. I did look it up. The Cape route runs through this ocean, right. circling from Europe, along and under the continent of Africa and over to Asia, which I also read kind of became obsolete after the Suez Canal. Um, right. That was the main deal with the Suez Canal. Like, that was... Yeah, they had to go long Shortcut. Way. Take a shortcut. Yes. Um, according to Wikipedia, quote, the European Asian Sea uh, Route, commonly known as the Sea Route to India or the Cape Route, is a shipping route from the European coast of the Atlantic Ocean to Asia's coast of the Indian Ocean, passing by the Cape of Good Hope and Cape Agulhas at the southern edge of Africa, end quote. 
The Cape Route was first traversed in 1498 by a Portuguese explorer named Vasco da Gama. Oh, yeah. And I found a website called a to Z animals.com. I was going to try to see, like, what's in it. Do the, are there sharks there? Because yeah. it does vary, you know. Yeah. But I found this instead. So, quote, the United Nations Law of the Sea Convention in 1982 limited territorial waters, those belonging to and controlled by a specific country, to 12 nautical miles from the coast. Therefore, the bulk of the South Atlantic does not belong to any country. So it does not have a national animal. End quote. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. The more uh, you know. There were sharks in the area where my oh, story takes place. Sneak I do peek. Know. No sharks in the story, but that was one of the details. So. Okay. Okay. Including the great white. Ooh. Okay, then uh, this is the last part. My story next week um, takes place in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, Greenville, South Carolina land was originally the hunting grounds of the Cherokee Nation. Um, it was incorporated as a village on December 17th, 1831. And in 1850, the closest census to our year... The population of the town was listed at about 58,000. So, from the Greenville Journal, quote, World War II put Greenville Mills, like Mills Mill, into high gear. <laughs> the name of a mill <laughs> is Mills Mill. Oh. Which just, Who owns I don't that? Know. Was that Mel Mills or... That's just confusing branding. Billy like, Mills? whose idea was this? Or was the last name Mills? Sounds like it must have been. That's not... Was that supposed to be funny in 1947? <laughs> like, there's not a sense of humor behind that. <laughs> yeah, was this an accident? Hey, if you're from Greenville, let us know. Or was there a Mills family? Um, okay, so continuing the quote, uh, turning out uniforms and war goods for the soldiers fighting overseas. Mills, mills, mills. <laughs> yeah. um, Shoeless Joe Jackson ran his liquor store in West Greenville and entertained with baseball appearances. As with other wars in Greenville's history, this one Is also brought... Is that like a thing that everybody knew about Shoeless Joe Jackson having a liquor store? I didn't know that, <laughs> but I was delighted by that. <laughs> I only know of him from that movie. Oh, Is it Field of Dreams? <laughs> oh, God. Now we're going to have to talk about my guilty displeasure at Kevin Costner's <laughs> the acting. Hating, yeah. But, yeah. okay. Yes, that's... What I know about Joe ran his liquor store. You know, um, like you do, you get a liquor store and yeah. some baseball stories and booze. Well, they didn't, I mean, he didn't get a Wheaties deal or anything in 1947 or whenever he retired. you get from being on the cover of the Wheaties box anyway? I don't think it's that much. <laughs> Not right. enough to leave a well, treasure endorsements. behind. Nike wasn't knocking on his door, okay? Phil Knight, <laughs> bad taste. Uh, <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> um, yeah. 
So, as with other wars in Greenville's history, this one also brought a military base to our city. Okay. The Greenville Army Air Base opened in 1942 as a B-25 Mitchell bomber training site. Mm-hmm. At war's end, the influx of soldiers returning to the states helped cause Furman's uni- Furman University's enrollment to jump from 700 to 1,400 in 1945. Uh, soon, the school would need to start thinking about expanding, end quote. Yeah. So... I included that because it's such a very shiny version of life in post-war Greenville, but Mm -hmm. the reality was that Jim Crow laws are still in place, segregation is still a thing, Um, also blacks who were hired in skilled jobs during the war had to give those jobs up Uh when the white soldiers came home. Along with women, too. Not that there were not black soldiers, but, and this was true all over the country, but just, I wanted to mention that because of the climate for my story. It was not the picture that was painted in that last quote for everyone, so. Yeah, 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 and it wasn't the world that was promised to those soldiers. It wasn't, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, crappy. it was crappy. And my story is a sad one, so oh, gosh. next week, be prepared, but important to tell, I believe. So that is the timeline twist. Well, I'm not going to prepare 47. too much for next week because the doomsday clock is down to like <laughs> right. 85 seconds We only now. have 90 seconds anyway. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm holding out for uh, MacGyver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, twisted. Nineteen forty-seven. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, the art was fun and the food was fun. Yeah. Not a lot of heavy shit. Otherwise, though, kind of. Yeah. Seems tense. Yes, it does. Tense to me, like. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know. Just a lot of people coping or not coping with a lot of trauma and trying to pretend like everything's fine but like ah we just all went through this horrendous thing and we all almost died and and now we've exploded nuclear bombs on this planet and like just like right it's a major deal Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the doomsday clock Don't was created. Don't talk about it. Let's just have babies. <laughs> They're not that far removed. Like, our 59 case was a lot more lighthearted because, yeah, they're a lot more removed from the war. And, yeah, yeah so, yeah. yeah, tense. I think tense is a good word. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well. Should we get to your it? story? Okay. Let's get to it. All right.
Maybe I'll maybe you'll Google it. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> well, actually. Oh, great. <laughs> Sorry about the Roman numerals thing. <laughs> oh, that was fine. I did a deep dive. I yeah, got super into that was it. Fine. I was like, oh my god, why am I? Passionately reading about the history of mathematics when the Etruscans I should be working on my case. Are we nice going? timeline twist. Forty-seven. That was fun. Um, and yeah. And now I'm going to share a tale with you. This is um, murder on the high seas. The porthole murder. Ooh. Um, this is a story about which there are a lot of facts that are known and were known even before any trial took place, but then there are some other um, mysteries surrounding exactly Ooh. what happened. To so we have our first mystery category story. Mystery. Yeah. I feel like it checks that box. And who knew that we would have so many like boat related Story. <laughs> Gotta love. I don't know exactly what happened to Gay Gibson on the night of October 17th, or early morning hours of October 18th, 1947. Uh, but this story does include some of your favorite elements, our favorite elements, like we've mentioned boats, crimes on boats, rum, drama, um, contender for the dick list, or deck list, as it might be. Um, <laughs> we could have two lists. And then mysterious, <laughs> unsolved elements. Um, oh, good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, this is from a website called cruiselinehistory.com. The article is titled, Murder, Suspicious Deaths, and Disappearing at Sea Aboard Liners and Cruise Ships of the Past. So, check it out. It's super fun. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds fun. There had been other murders aboard cruise liners in the early 20th century. And in 1933, a husband had loaded his murdered wife into a trunk and onto a ship and then pushed the trunk out of the porthole. Well, onto um, the ship? So he specifically wanted to get rid of the body at sea then. Yeah. So well. I... And then, like, um, was famously like there wasn't a body, so right. Um, this yeah. was in this was in the public popular culture. No body, no crime. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1947, a decade later, another ship, another porthole, and another body hit the headlines. This time, there were no doubts. Sorry, this time there would be no doubts about what really happened. But there were, or actually, some but there about were. What. <laughs> so, okay. Anyway, um, and then they uh, share on this uh, this they shared a link to this other website called internationalcruisevictims.org, which is a cool organization, um, victims helping victims of people who have suffered crimes at sea on cruise ships and so just a resource sharing and advocacy to um, oh. increase. You know, that's um, sad that that has to exist, but yeah, like when you're on open waters, yeah, there's the so. jurisdiction is fuzzy, yeah. So, if uh, I just thought that was a great organization to 
send people to if they're interested in, you know, ma making a difference or helping to prevent something like what happened in my story tonight? Um, Okay. And in this story, there was no body as well, but um, and it's sometimes referred to as the first case of a con murder conviction without a body, but that's not actually true. There were others yeah. in the past, but essentially it's very difficult, right, to prove a yeah. murder case without a body, but you don't want people to get the idea that if you can dispose of the body cleverly enough, Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can get away with murder. Yeah. So, there's that. But that's one aspect to this case that is um, kind of um, famous. Okay. This vessel was called the Durban Castle, and the Durban Castle was en route from Cape Town, South Africa to Southampton, England. It set sail, I believe, on the 10th of October. Okay. Um, and it usually took between 10 and 14 days to make this this journey. Um, these cruise ships at the time, like that was a common passageway. Um, this particular ship was uh, not that full. It was about half full or, or less. Um, okay. There weren't very many female passengers, so. Oh, I wonder why. Um, yeah, I'm not sure Because it's a cruise ship, right? Like, vacation. Right. Okay. Um, well, it's not like you would, like, like a carnival cruise. It's like a cruise liner, and it is taking people from... Okay, so... Africa, from South Africa to England. More like back. a bus, like public transportation. Right, right. <laughs> and they something. have cargo and stuff too, but right. this okay. was a common mode of travel between um, England and her many colonies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and these were long journeys, and, you know, the first class cabins were comf more comfortable, not by mm -hmm. today's standards, anything of comfort, but... Um, you know, there were less pleasant accommodations than mm -hmm. Gay Gibson had. Um, and because they were long journeys, there were lots of kind of entertainment things set up. So they were like cruise ships, uh, modern cruise uh -huh. ships in that regard that they would have, you know, um, they, they had a dance, for instance, and there were deck stewards that were, their job was in part to organized games among the passengers and stuff like that. Okay, so, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, the, the photos from this, they, they, it's a real, like, kind of Mad Men vibe. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. So, you can hear the Yacht Rock, like, the, like, little <laughs> hints of Yacht Rock, a uh, twinkle in their eye. Um. <laughs> yeah. Tinkle in their ear. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there weren't very many female passengers. Among them were um, Gay Gibson, age 21. She's, uh, that's her stage name. Her name, her given name was Eileen Isabella Ronnie Gibson, which I think the Ronnie part is just so cute. I love mm -hmm. that. 
Um, she was born June 16th, 1926. And she was an actress, and she was um, coming back to England for a role in on the West End, a stage role. Oh, okay. Um, she had been born in India. Her dad was some kind of, like, wheeler-dealer businessman, had dealings all over the world. Excuse me. English, but born in India. Right. But, gotcha. yeah, then grew up in England, I think, um, in London. She had, during the war, she had joined the um, the women's branch of the British military and became part of their, like, performing troops. So she got bitten hmm. by the acting bug performing in the military um, for the troops. Okay. Stuff like USO. That, yeah, basically. Um, yeah, I. It did make me think about the military bands and like how the arts <laughs> in military history are. It's like uh, you don't think about that very much, but <laughs> there's probably a lot of artists who get paid. By the military. Industrial compact complex. Yeah. So I'm not opposed. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway, she... Eileen Isabella Ronnie Gibson, Gay Gibson, um, had been in the military, done some acting, gotten into it, and then... She had asked for leave and had been dismissed from the army, but upon her dismissal, she was given a medical exam. So this was about seven months prior, um, and she was wanting to go visit her parents in South Africa. So okay. she, just as a matter of course, they always give you a medical workup, and so it'll, it'll be relevant later. But she okay. was found to be in good health. Good health. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, she, I know where you're and, going with this. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> like not too obvious. <laughs> In South Africa, she had um, did some performing, had played um, a couple of roles, and she had, like, most recently been cast as this like morally ambiguous girlfriend of a boxer in a play it was like called the golden love or something like that and um people said that she was like her character so they started to say that she was able to play this morally ambiguous character oh great that's how she was and that she was you know sleeping around right so of course that that all came out in the trial um, <clears throat> yeah, but people who had worked with her, who had been in these plays with her in South Africa, who were like brought back to England to testify in the trial, which like, they agreed. Yeah, no, these people, yeah, they were. Ew. The defense brought them over to uh, testify. Okay, so anyway, just laying the groundwork that she's she, people have been not really loving her success, maybe, or mm, something mm -hmm. like that. And 
um, she told different people or different people reported hearing that she was in love with a man in South Africa, a married man, that she thought she was pregnant by him, this kind of stuff. So yeah, rumors, right. none of that is really provable. Um, but she was on the Durban Castle heading back to England because she wanted to leave that place and she was, she had gotten a role in um, a stage show in the West End in London and had her steerage paid by somebody who was who was a man um, and that also kind of arose suspicions but well but yeah neither here nor there yeah um okay aboard the vessel like i said there weren't very many other women there was an older woman who was about 70 who had the cabin next to hers Um, oh that's nice yeah and she was they had like seating assignments table assignments and so her dining companions were these two um older gentlemen who were great friends with her and like really got to know her and liked her company and um they kind of saw it be- because the- she was a young woman traveling alone they yeah, kind of looked 21. out for her and felt like it was their duty to protect her and kind of oh yeah that's um, sweet. And they enjoyed her company and said that she was, you know, um, well-spoken and liked talking about her acting career, but they didn't, she didn't really share a lot of her personal mm. life. Um, and she didn't really participate in the social life aboard the ship. She wasn't into, like, the debt games and the da-da-da. Yeah. Like, she went to a dance on the night of the 17th, but as a matter of, like, day by day, she spent most of her time napping in her cabin or by the pool or... (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like me. You know, it's, like, stayed up all night and, like, it's all hot in the cabins, and so she'd just be out smoking on the deck. Um, Anyway, and she also did get to know these stewardess who I'll talk more about later um so she she made she formed some bonds with people and mm-hmm. was well liked and but not not hysterical big, not like yeah. sharing a lot of information I'm identifying with her pretty hardcore yeah she really liked acting she was excited about going to you know further her career um if she was pregnant and she was, you know, I'm glad that she was able to get to England and, mm-hmm. or, well, she wasn't, but, <laughs> well, uh, spoiler alert, she, she didn't trying. make it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I like her style. I like her, you know, she's like, I i don't need to play your games. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Take your feats of strength and your... Jumping the cat. <laughs> right. No, right? There's a lot of that. They're quoits or whatever they were. Quoits. <laughs> I don't want to yes. play. Oh, no. Um, so, October 17th, there was a dance organized aboard the ship. And so, um, Gay and her dinner companions went 
and um, she was wearing a long black silk gown and silver shoes and Ooh. she had auburn hair and it was done up in a bun so she was looking very beautiful yeah and uh, by all accounts had a fun time um the dance got over um and then it was warm and so people were wanting to go swimming and so she went back to her cabin to try to find her swimsuit she couldn't find her swimsuit so she went back and found her her companions and was disappointed that she couldn't go swimming but they um, had spent some more time on the deck and then um, one of them escorted her to her cabin uh, for bed and bid her good night mm. and that was like 11.30 or something like that um, so she was seen other times later after that um, <clears throat> later on um, I think it was like one or two in the morning. She was spotted on the deck. She was smoking. She said it was too hot in her room. And mm. the uh, guy who was mopping the deck was like, well, your shoes are going to get wet. And so she moved <laughs> along. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't have time for your shit. Your pretty I gotta shoes mop are going to get all wet, lady. Yeah. So she get out of here. Yeah. So she went on her merry way. This is from medium.com article called gay Gibson murder on the high seas. Um, it was around two fifty-eight AM on Saturday, October 18th, 1947. When Frederick steer, a duty watchman for union castle line ship, Durban castle was awakened by a summons from cabin 126 a first-class cabin on the B deck. That is Gay Gibson's okay. cabin, 126, on B deck. Um, upon arriving at the cabin, Steer noted that the lights for both the steward and the stewardess had been rung by the cabin's occupants, something he found strange, as normally a passenger would ring for one or the other, but not both. Right. So let me explain that a little bit. There's two bells in each cabin and they one is for the steward and one is for the stewardess mm -hmm. they do different functions um the steward brings you food and stuff from the galley and a stewardess i think like changes your sheets and stuff like that okay <clears throat> so um, yeah she's trying to get anybody right sounds so like so there are yeah both both ringing um, and they ring these bells in the night watchman's kind of office mm -hmm. um, which is kind of a cool cool I know it's kind of cool um, so that was unusual usually didn't get any overnight calls or very few he knocked on the cabin door and he started as he started to open it it slammed shut but not before Steer recognized the man who closed it from outside. <gasps> it was James Cam, a Cam, C-A-M-B. Okay. Cam a 30-year-old steward working on the liner. So he was one of these duck <gasps> stewards whose job it was to, like, you know, bring He's... drinks and, like, organize games with the, and just kind of socialize with the passengers. He's an employee. Uh-huh. Steer wondered if, since Cam was a steward, he had arrived for the summons before Steer himself had. So he thought maybe Cam had 
heard the bell and was there to... Right. But his uneasy feelings about the situation led him to report the incident to the night watchman, James Murray. So, he was like, mm, but... Yeah, but if he slammed the door on him, just yeah, start pounding on the door. So, yeah, he went to the door. Normally, her door would... Her cabin door would be locked. Mm-hmm. He... Um, pushed it open. He sees what I heard was like, or what I read was that he saw like James Cam's head and his right arm and his shoulder. And then he pushed the door closed and he said, all right, or it's all right, or something like that. And so, Uh, yeah. I don't like the sound of any of this. No. So Steer tells the night watchman, James Murray, and... Um, but he doesn't tell him that he, initially tell him that he saw James Cam. He just says he's he doesn't say who he saw. So he tells Murray um, about this, and they go back to cabin. Good. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there are two lights outside of the cabin door. There's a green light and a red light. One is for the steward, and one is for the stewardess. So they were both okay. lit up. Um, That's pretty so they, sophisticated for... I know. Yeah. Like it rings in the office, but it also turns on the lights outside of the cabin. Right. So you could see if you're just cruising by, walking yeah. by. Um, <clears throat> so Steer and Murray returned to cabin 126 where all was quiet. Marie relayed the events to the officer of the watch, but without mentioning James Cam's name. The officer on duty believed it to be a private matter and not of any concern to the ship's officers, and that appeared to be the end of it. So they're like, well, if this passenger and another passenger want to be canoodling in the middle of the night, this is none of our business. And so they went back there and they waited for a while, and like the lights were still on, but there was... The door was closed and there was no no noise and so No <laughs> Yeah. That's their job. If the lights are on, you continue to knock and check. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like it. Well the the boss person just made the call and I think if he had had all of the information about like it was a deck steward in there. And not right. just like that it could be just another passenger, like yeah, yeah. I feel like that's that thing also that by the bystander effect where people are like, mm-hmm. should I? Shouldn't I? Maybe I won't get involved. But these guys are employees, so I feel like it's their responsibility to you check know. further. But anyway, doesn't make me feel very safe. <laughs> That's where they leave things overnight. The next morning, the stewardess, um, Eileen Field, comes as she normally does to Gay's door, and she brings her orange juice in the morning and tidies up her room or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she um, she knocks on the door. Um, there's no answer, and then she tries the door. She doesn't expect it to open because Gay always has her door locked mm-hmm. when she's in there, but it opens up. Um, she <gasps> enters the room and uh, finds the bed disheveled, 
Lines the suitcase open and um, Gay's pajamas and her dressing gown are missing, but her slippers are there. So she thinks, well, maybe she just went to the bathroom, but why didn't she wear her slippers? Uh I don't know. So she leaves the juice and she goes to take care of some other things and come back uh, later to collect the glass. But she comes back after 20 minutes and... um, the juice is still in the glass. There's still no gay in the room. And now she looks a little closer and she notices some um, stains on the pillowcase that are oh, like no. rust-colored stains on the pillowcase. <clears throat> um, and she asks a bathroom attendant if they had seen gay, and they had not. Um, were the... She, you probably don't know this, but were the lights still on? Like... Oh, no, the lights did turn off. Um, okay. I forget when exactly that happened, but I think... Um, well, maybe those guys turned them off from the office yeah, after they decided maybe. not to, like, this isn't our business. Well, I think they were off by the time Eileen came in the morning. Okay. So, Somehow. Uh, um it's a little bit of a mystery how they got turned on in the, in the first, first place. place. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Good question, though. <laughs> yeah. She noticed the um, rust-colored stains on the pillowcase. She asked the bathroom attendant if they had seen Gay, um, and they had not. Um, and she also noticed that the porthole, the window, was open. So these cabins had... A porthole that just opened right out to the sea, just yeah, like to the side of the boat, um, and a small bed that was kind of right there, and the the buttons to ring the bells were like you had to really kind of intentionally, okay, push yeah. Them. So Eileen. Field had gotten to know Gay um, a little bit on the the journey so far. They'd been at sea for like seven or eight days, and Gay had shared with Eileen about her um, that she had a love that she was in love with somebody in South Africa that she might be pregnant, and mm. she shared about her enthusiasm for her acting career. Um, that she might be pregnant. I, one report said that she shared that with Eileen. Other reports shared that, or said that she, like other people told Eileen that. So, mm, I don't know. Right. We don't know for sure how Eileen knew that. We don't. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, Eileen doesn't find Gay in her cabin. Um, but decides to hold off a, before reporting it for a little bit. But no. by the time breakfast happens and <clears throat> Gay doesn't show up at her, um, doesn't show up for breakfast, she decides to report it. Mm. And so the captain orders a search of the ship and they don't find Gay. Um, and he fears that she's gone overboard. Mm-hmm. And so he turns the ship around, and they go back, and oh. they spend about an hour searching 
uh, with crew members like searching the waters, but it's kind of to no avail well, because it's, it's a big ass ocean. Right, and shark infested waters. Right. I can't believe they turned around, honestly. I figured he'd be like, well, we're, you know. Yeah, no, he really was on the ball. Yeah. Um, So he also made an an announcement over the loudspeaker on the ship. Um, And so that's how her. Dinner mates found out oh, about her. Oh, those super poor guys! Family. I know, and um, he also radioed other ships in the area to be on the lookout for. Okay, yeah, it's making me wonder when the Coast Guard started. Like, oh, yeah, that's question. what I thought he would just be like, called. Well, other ships, you know, Titanic. They called other ships. That's what you did. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. After about an hour, they gave up and started heading back north. This is from Wikipedia. The officer in command of the ship, Captain Patey, interviewed Cam, um, and Cam initially denied any involvement in Gibson's disappearance. Um, He said he wasn't there, didn't didn't know anything about it. And then when... Steer and and Murray, the night watch guys... Mm -hmm. um, Steer eventually decided that he needed to share that he had recognized Saw Cam. him. Yeah. So yeah. he did share that eventually. And then um, I bet Cam's story changed. When, uh, yeah. So <laughs> the next day. Classic. Captain Patey was interviewing Cam and he initially de- denied any involvement in Gibson's disappearance. When when told that Steer saw him inside, well, he, when told that he had been seen inside the cabin, he sort of um, inferred that it was Steer who had seen him. But when he told that he had been seen inside Gibson's cabin, Cam relented and told a story that neither the captain nor the ship's doctor could believe, that um, Gibson uh-huh. had died suddenly while the two of them were having consensual sex, and... Since he stood to lose his job and his family, he panicked and pushed her body through the porthole. <gasps> um, what? So, his story is that she liked him. Mm-hmm. She had asked him to bring her a drink because that was part of his job was to make the drinks. Mm-hmm. He didn't bring them to the rooms. Um, he wasn't supposed to be anywhere near her room, and he had been caught on... Um, like passenger decks in the past and even by Eileen Field and told like listen you know you're not supposed to be here on Uh, different voyages and so um, but also those portholes I didn't think they were that big oh it's not that big it's total like Winnie the Pooh trying to get right that's it's a rabbit's hole yeah it's not I'm thinking like work. eight to ten inches but even if it were a foot like can you get a I think it was 42 centimeters so I have no idea what that is that's like <laughs> in inches <laughs> well it's like 2.4 centimeters per inch Whatever. I don't know. I'm not here for math. Small. <laughs> yeah. The no, answer it was is a small. Struggle, I'm sure. So the answer is he's a dumbass. 
Well, he admits that he pushed her body out the porthole. He admits that he was in her cabin when she died. Um, but we don't okay. know. Maybe it is possible that he we don't know pushed how she her died. out. Yeah. So um, Cam was interviewed by the captain, and he was also examined by the ship's doctor and found to have uh, some scratches on him. Like, weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, the next day, he was wearing, like, his long sleeve jacket. Oh, uh-huh. when everybody is, like, hot. But it was hot everybody... as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, That's a little sus. Um, <sighs> I don't like this guy. When the Durban Castle docked um, in Southampton, the Southampton City Police were waiting there to... and he'd been confined to his cabin by the ship's crew eventually Um, and the Southampton police were assisted by the Metropolitan Police on the case and forensic forensic evidence was examined at the Metz laboratory in Hendon Um, Southampton was really small so I often asked for help from Scotland Yard okay um British police forces were involved as even though the murder took place off the coast of West Africa, um, yeah. it was a British ship under British authority. Okay. And so the prosecution was brought by British authorities. Excuse me. Good. That's good news. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think they were on it they handled it um another thing that the captain did was seal off her cabin immediately oh also good as a crime scene yeah Ooh. so that was that was good um they interviewed other passengers and stuff like that too so um wow On Monday, 27th of October, 1947, the Southern Daily Echo reported that Cam had been remanded in custody and charged with murder on the high seas. Uh-huh. Uh, so the trial, the trial was an unusual one. It was labeled, as I said, some people call it the first case without a, a of prosecution without a victim's body. Uh-huh. It's not exactly true. Um there's an older one. The oldest one is like 1660. And, and there anyway, but there are a few. Um, <laughs> As we've learned, journalists. Yeah. Want to sell pipers. And words don't mean anything. Yep. yep. If it's a good headline. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Gotta sell those papers. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> The pathologist, uh, during the trial, it was revealed that the pathologist, Dennis Hawkling, had discovered a urine stain on the sheets from cabin 126. Um, And so the pathologist was, you know, testified that urination, involuntary urination or voiding of the bladder can happen during strangulation. Mm. Um, But it Mm -hmm. also could occur... Via death by a natural cause, like 
a heart attack or an aneurysm or something oh, like no. that too. Oh no. Okay. So, um <clears throat> when Cam took the stand, the prosecution barrister asked him if he considered himself an honest man. Cam replied, "I think so, sir." And then like it was proved that he just changed his story every five minutes <laughs> right yeah red flag and that's what happens when you're guilty yeah and it's all about self-preservation and he's really mostly concerned that his wife's gonna find out he's been unfaithful uh-huh N- this um, sounds like yeah. narcissism they think Maybe they're too smart to get caught they tell the first story then they get presented some evidence and then they're like wait actually <laughs> it was this yeah, when he was first interviewed, they were, he was like, deny, 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 and then they're like, well, we saw you there, and he's like, well, and then they're like, you should, you know, if you have a reasonable explanation, you should tell us now. Right now, yeah. And he's like, you mean she could have died from something other than murder? Yeah. And then he's like, well, yeah, she, uh... She died. Accidentally. <laughs> <That's> not murder. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Um so the trial went on for about four days, I think, and of as is classic, um, you know, they attacked her character. Mm-hmm. Um Gross. And some people even testified that she had, um, that she was hysterical, that she had been, she had had a hysterical episode, which I don't know what that is. Um, I'll let you know when I figure it out. Uh, or maybe yeah. you'll just know without me saying anything. I don't know. <laughs> um, God, it is so classic. All of I this. S- she was hysterical yeah and you know she slept around and they found in her um like her pajamas were never found and her dressing gown um Mm. james cam said that she had you know he was there by invitation she had greeted him at the door and that she was naked under her dressing gown and that they began having sex. And then um, after he learned that, you know, it could not it could be not murder. He was like, <laughs> yeah, she like started clutching at him and then um, like arched her back and then medical emergency foaming at the mouth. Uh, right. And. So, um, some of the people that she had worked with claimed that she had been prone to, like, fainting spells and had had fits before oh where my God. her lips had turned blue or something like that. So, it's very possible that she had some kind of underlying condition, epilepsy or some kind of mm-hmm. heart condition that she had, and she had told others that she, whatever, had, um had taken a turn I think is what she called it all the language around it is like so veiled and like did she have lady problems I don't know yeah. was she pregnant uh, I don't know but the um, slamming of the door 
gets me. Like, if there were an emergency, you wouldn't fucking slam the door on the other guys that were trying to come in, or the one man, I guess. Right, right. Yeah. And so he said that she passed away, then he he was giving CPR, and then the guy came to the door, and he whatever, and then he went back to giving CPR, and knowing that he... You know, he would get in trouble. He was like, I got to get rid of the body. And so shoved her out the porthole. And she fell, it's like 25 feet. Into the sea. Into the ocean. Um, When he was being interviewed afterwards, he he said that... um, Something about her body making a hell of a splash or something oh, like that. Oh, gross. You know, it was like... Uh, <sighs> yeah. So, <laughs> Cam is a real piece of work. He had been accused and... I don't know. He hadn't ever been um, like tried in court because people didn't want to take it or they were embarrassed or whatever, but mm-hmm. he'd been, um, it came out later that he had accosted several young women on these uh. voyages. Um, one girl, like, he invited her to, like, come have drinks, and then he put her in, like, a little closet, and they were just sipping on their cocktails, and then the next thing you know... He's, like, strangling her with a deck chair, like, pressing her neck oh. into a deck chair, and she passed out and then somehow got away. But it made her, like, her whole face all bruised up, and her eyes got super red, and he's like, oh, I didn't think it would do your eyes like that. <gasps> and, like, just, like, creep, not good behavior. He was married, and he had a child, I think. Um did the wife and testify? He, I don't think so. He was okay. super interested in her not finding out about him being unfaithful. Right. Um, but he, yeah, he had accosted several girls or young women on these voyages. <sighs> um, Strangulation is one of those things that's like a strong indicator of being able to murder eventually. Yeah. yeah. Um, Gross. He'd also, like, he also kind of, like, styled himself as, like, a womanizer, and, like, uh, they teased him. Some of the other staff people called him Don Jimmy, like Don Juan, but right. and he, like, slicked his hair back, and he was always bragging about it, and had, like, you know, had... <sighs> had a girl at every port that kind of oh right and yeah he had spotted gay early on in the cruise and been like oh I've got a mind to bring her a lemonade and whatever yuck he's Um, yeah I feel strongly he's a contender for the top spot on the the dick list he sounds like a real piece of work as they say. Ugh. Um, so anyway, after the 
hearing after the trial, the jury deliberated for 45 minutes and they came back with a guilty verdict. Um, and Cam was sentenced to death. And the mandatory sentence at that time was death. Um, Under but, British. Right. Okay. But they were just in those, just at this time, um, the execution was not carried out because Parliament was considering the abolition of okay. the death penalty at this time. And the Home Secretary had elected to commute all pending death sentences while the matter was discussed. Mm-hmm. And then um, that prompted British Prime Minister Winston Churchill to chime in on this case. The House of Commons has, by its vote, saved the life of this brutal, lascivious murderer who thrust the poor girl he had raped and assaulted through a porthole on the ship of to the sharks. I know my Churchill's really good. I spent some time on it today. I'm, like I'm, I'm actually like go Winston. Like he's like he raped her. He shoved her out of the porthole. Yeah, he's, yeah, like, well, he's good. This is saving this dick's life. And your, uh, um, your accent 19, was good too. Yeah, sorry. In 1948, April of 1948, Cam lodged an appeal, but he was denied. <clears throat> um, and he was released from prison in 1959. <gasps> What? Uh, I guess like a parole or something. But funnily enough, he got recalled back to prison after being convicted of a number of what they call indecent assaults of young girls. And then he was released again in 1978. Uh, and... why? Yeah, I know. These no, are... No, he did... Yeah. Yeah. No, he... And then he died in 1979. Good. Um, Eileen Gibson's body was never found. Um, Some other fun facts from the trial where they brought in like a scale model of the cabin itself. Ooh. With a little porthole and everything and the lights and, you know, so Mm -hmm. they really demonstrated that. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, never really known if, you know, he had come to her room and was raping her and mm-hmm. she, she did have some kind of underlying health condition Yeah, she just passed away and he just panicked or it doesn't seem like he, he intended, he didn't come to her room to with the intention to murder her. Right. It doesn't seem like... Yeah, I like agree. Some, like, he would have locked the door or, like, you know. And he testified that he never... He didn't know how the lights got turned on. Um, but, like, it, to me, it seems, like, obvious that the... Like I she, mean, it's po- she, it's possible she invited him. It's possible... Right. Or that they started having she sex. She got a bad vibe. And, but I think she turned the lights on. I do too, and uh, the okay. So the first thing I said was like the shoving of the door, but mm-hmm. I guess he explained it like I was scared and blah blah. But the past um, allegations against him are what make me think 
he well and him changing his story a bunch of times those are like super red flags for the guilty right Totally. You don't do that when you're innocent. You, you know, there. I do believe in coerced confessions and things like that, but I don't mm-hmm. feel like this is one of those cases. This is right. like, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Nope. Somebody saw you there. Oh well, then this happened. Right, and it's all in. He he'd done it on other boats. Mm-hmm. He he'd been busted in this area in the passengers. Yeah, and we all know how common it is for women to not report. So these past women, you know, didn't come forward. Yeah, especially in forty-seven. Testified about her like health conditions, said that she had on you know a couple of different occasions appeared to be dead and then came to. And so, like, the thing that makes me the saddest or the scaredest is, like, what if she, like, alive. did have, like, a seizure mm-hmm. and was alive, and he then he just shot her out the window. Yeah. And I thought that, too. came to and then got eaten by sharks. Yeah. <sighs> that I thought that very same thing uh, yeah. when you described him shoving her out. Like, what if she wasn't dead? If what he said was true. Yeah. Yeah. That is terrifying. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's my story from 1947. That reminds me of when we took our high school trip to Europe. Mm. And uh, the night that we did the overnight ferry from Italy to Greece. And we went up to the deck. And... I don't think there was a moon, or maybe there was a partial moon, but, like, I, as a Kansas girl, for the first time, had this, like, we're in the middle of the ocean, and there were no lights, like, on any shores, and I got really freaked out that, like, this is a huge ocean, there's all kinds of creatures underneath us right now, and I kind of had a little... Freak it's out. completely terrifying. I know. Yeah. And the water yeah. was black. You know, like you can't. Mm-hmm. Ah. <coughs> Good job. That was Thanks. a terrifying tale. I know. It's really sad to me. Um, mm-hmm. But I also feel like the, the captain was all right. He did everything that he could. Mm-hmm. And the staff people were really good. They were looking out for her, and I like that she had those dinner companions. But yeah, this the this guy just was he needed. He sounds like a predator. He needed. Yeah, he's a he's totally a psychopath. He needed to be not. He needed to be getting some help. <laughs> yes. He didn't. Um. But yeah, just like all these like callous statements, and all that he really cares about is like I just don't want my wife to find out <laughs> yeah. that I was unfaithful. It's like, uh, there's a lady that's dead. Right. Yeah. Just no uh, understanding of the severity of what he was actually doing. Right. Oh yeah. There's another detail that they they in her possessions they found um, she had a diaphragm and some spermicide. <gasps> and so like those. 
promiscuous one. Right. And if she was having intercourse by consent with this deckhand, and right, why was she using her contraceptives? Yeah. If she thought she was pregnant already, but she wasn't sure, I think you would still do it. Right. If you had it, yes. Yeah. That indicates that she's using it. Yeah. But then, of course, that's used against her. Like, oh, look at this slut. Well, yeah, yes, but that is the job of a defense attorney, you know. Right. Like, they have to pull up every single thing they can possibly think of to right. create sure. the reasonable doubt. It's maddening, but it is yeah. their job. But, yeah, that's a great point. The diaphragm. Yeah. So, yeah, fuck that guy. James Cam, dick list. Has he toppled G Dubs? I mean, I just I feel more removed in time from George Washington than I do mm-hmm. Brigham Young. Or like, the thing about Brigham Young and George Washington is that like their dickery just spreads so far and wide, and this guy like. Yes, he was terrible, but he was like a one. You know, he was Petty LaBelle. Right, right, right. Stop <laughs> Petty. Uh, anyway, well, um, yeah, that's it. That's our episode for this week. Yeah, the first half of to tune in forty-seven, and we'll hear something super sad. I think. Frame. Yeah, I feel like this is a bummer of a year, honestly. Um, well, I just feel like Calgon slash aliens take me away. High sea and snowballs. You could just get all sugared up to get through. I'm sure that's not food. Like, that's poison. It's like well, literal poison that... No. No. True, but if you want to just, like, you know... Snowballs, do they have coconut... Those are the coconut ones. I thought the snowballs were. It's the one that's pink and inside is like a chocolate cake. But I do believe it's uh, also coconut. If I had eaten them, I would know. And I didn't. I mean, I like coconut okay, but I don't love it. So I think it is the one with coconut. Well, give me a crack null over that any day. That's right. F. Norris, Mm -hmm. her book. Her book. Ain't All a right. Twinkie. All right. Good job, Amy Joe. We will see Thanks. you all next week. We love you. We ain't a woofin'. Yeah. You Ain't a Woofin' is brought to you by 4702 Productions. Thank you for listening. If you have comments, story ideas, or would like to reach out, Email us at youain'tawoofen at gmail.com. Everything you need to know can be found at youain'tawoofenpod.com. All art and design by Valerie. All music and editing by Amy Joe. We are a 100% independent podcast. Support us on Patreon at youain'tawoofenpod. Also, please rate, review, share, and subscribe. We love you, and we ain't a woofin'.